are inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Four o'clock hour, Reno's in. Vegas is here. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. John Von Tobel is the company. James is helping us out down at Treasure Island, Cofield, and then back at our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Demond. Demond with the big road trip. So it'd be nice to him. He's coming up to uh, Reno for the Nevada UNLV game. You fired up for this game, John? Oh, I'm very excited to watch it. Right. I, I mean, from the, the rivalry standpoint, obviously. But it's a big role change for UNLV, and we've talked about this, and this is the betting aspect of it. But it's you go from home underdog to Vanderbilt to road, you know, small road favorite against UTEP to big home favorite against Hawaii. Now you're a big road favorite against a rival, and that's like a progression in terms of the way that the betting market views you, and it's a, it's a really big step up for them. Yeah, I think three and a half or more road favorites since 2008. They've been in the spot five times or 0-5. Ooh, that's a good stat. I didn't know that. Uh. Well, if I straight up or against the spread? I'll look it up, okay. too. Uh, Mark Wallington was telling me about the number, and I can't remember. Well, I would assume that's 0-5 straight up, if Wallington was telling it to you. I think so. Yeah. I think so. All right, big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. So I told you guys and the audience here in Vegas, I'm a legendary hoarder, right? Save way too much stuff, way too many plastic bins in the garage, all over the house. Uh, one of the things I have been hoarding is Christmas goodies. So I've got now six large bins of Christmas stuff, plus Christmas trees all over the place. Haven't taken them out yet. I feel like I lost the bin for Halloween. So we just finished putting up some Halloween stuff. It didn't seem like a lot, but the job is done. But that's what, you know, and there's, there's a couple inflatables, right? So you want to get them out there, give them like four weeks, and then hard stop on the night of Halloween, and then the Christmas stuff starts coming out. Right there. November, you don't November start, 1st. You don't start undecorating on the night of Halloween. Like, we were watching. You ever seen the movie Trick or Treat? The horror movie? Came out, like, early 2000s. Okay. So, But at the beginning of the movie, the opening scene, the this couple gets in an argument. The wife eventually gets murdered. Um, but, like, they... <laughs> Got serious. Right. Um, All of her decorations? But, but, yeah, it was, like, the night of Halloween, uh. and she's like, I'm taking these down. And I'm like... You can wait until November 1st in the morning. I understand you want will, to get that down with some rapidity, yeah. but, like, that's ridiculous. Let me look at the calendar. What's November 1st? Uh, I think it's a Wednesday. I believe okay. Halloween's on a Tuesday. All right. Well, it's a little busy in the beginning of the week, or the middle of the week for us, you know? I lump you guys in, too. Okay. Um, and everything around Halloween is on Halloween, right? Pretty much. Again, the calendar question. Halloween is what day? Tuesday. I should have had this ready. Tuesday. Okay, so obviously the 27th, 28th, 29th, there's going to be parties. Right. I'm I going to I'm, one on the 28th. I think I'm going to one, but I don't I don't I don't take care of those things. I can't. My brain is scrambled. All right, so it's like five days of Halloween really for parties and dressing up. No, Steve. It's like three weeks of Halloween if you have a child. Wait, what? There is a Halloween event that I have to go to tonight. For my what? kid. Yep. We, we bought him a costume. Uh, he's a Minecraft fan for anybody out there. He's going to be Steve from Minecraft. It's the 13th. Yep. So we got like some trunk or treat thing tonight. We have some Halloween festival that we have to go to tomorrow. Hmm. And then on the 27th, there's another trunk or treat thing that we have to go to as well. Now, uh, am I supposed to know what trunk or treat is, or are you mispronouncing it? No, it's like so. It's like a safe version of trick or treating, where you get a bunch of volunteer parents and you decorate your trunks, and they just kind of go around the parking lot of the school. Oh, yeah, you go, you go trick or treating. Yeah, 
So you know, it's kind of like a controlled environment, not walking up to strange people's houses. Like the one year where we took him, it was like he was two. And we went to these people's houses, and they give us candy, and they said, okay, everybody, line up for a picture. And they have the old school Polaroid, you know, that spits out the picture immediately. Took a picture of us and was like, all right, happy Halloween. Took the picture and closed the door. And I was like, wait a minute. Should I knock on the door and ask for that picture? What are we doing? It was an old couple. Maybe they were just lonely. I don't know. But I yeah, never got that picture That's back. weird that that's gotten creepy now. Yeah. I feel bad for the kids. They're missing out on something. No. So, you know. Yeah, well, I we're love allowed, going around. We're not allowed to take pictures back, of the kids. In. Well, I mean, I'd like the picture. You don't yeah. know who I am. Why are you keeping the picture of me and my kids? But back in my day, yeah. oh, it was wild. You just, all right, come back before like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and you're good to go. Watching other kids mug like, other kids for their candy I, I, baskets. I, I, it was great. Did that happen? I never had that happen to me. Oh, I, I had to jump into a scrap one time when I was like nine really? years old. Oh, yeah. Kids are robbing each other? Like, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Like the older kids run up and try to take mm. the candy, and you're like, I mean, that, no, we're throwing fists. I got a king-size Snickers bar in here. We're not. You're not taking this so easily. I mean, that means we kind of can go back to the golden days and hand out uh, apples with razor blades in them. <laughs> But warn them, like, hey, it's a weapon. The older it, it, Oh, yeah. You never, you never heard of it? Well, no, you're just making it sound like, man, I used to do it every year, but now these, no, I mean, these I, ridiculous I, I liberals I, I, are I, making it so I can't I, put razors in candy. I, I don't mean I gave them out. As a child, that was always the warning, like, watch out for the apples yeah, right. with the razor blades in them. Now you can crack open the apple, and there's a razor blade. You start cutting people right. trying to steal your candy. Oh, so you're doing it for the protection of the kids. Yes. That's good. going to hand out a little yeah. weapon. There you go. <laughs> they made them. I didn't know about this pilfering. This pilfering and beating on Halloween now. I will say really quick, the cool thing about the evolution of Halloween now as an adult yeah. is, I remember as a kid, there would be a house in my dad's neighborhood that would regularly give out jello shots to the adults on, on Halloween. Uh, and I've run into a couple of those now that I've got kids. I was like, oh, this is cool. All right, I'm in. I don't think, you think parents would trust that? Some do. Are they in a jolly enough mood? I mean, I trust it. I mean, you, ever, you ever trick-or-treated with a four-year-old who's scared of everything? Yeah. Yeah, I need it. The only problem there is that it seems like in my neighborhood everyone's driving their cars around and you know stopping at one point and getting out and then walking up and down the street. So oh, that's lazy. you're getting them all freaking loaded. Now nah, you're hoofing, you're hoofing it. There you go. You gotta walk. Well, these will be nice events for your child, your Try. children. I'm sure he'll remember it fondly because I remember everything when I was five. I think he's kidding. Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> Number three. All right, next up. Just moving on. We're gonna do Halloween for 15 minutes there. It's okay. Um. This debate over this five-game series thing in Major League Baseball is just absurd. Uh, one guy, what's his name? David Bierman. Um, know, David. He, was he uh, ESPN? Now he's uh, PFN. 104-win uh, Braves, 101-win Orioles, 100-win Dodgers, all out. Won uh, one game. Uh, no one with more than 90 wins is still alive. MLB, or if MLB's goal with the new format was to make the 162-game season meaningless, they did it. What a joke. Um Scott, Scott's on air. You worked with him. Yes, I did. Over at VSEN. He's now with uh, pre-game. Uh, RJ? Yeah. yeah. RJ Bell. Uh, Braves, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. He says, um, he said, uh, yes, the week off is the reason they lost Laugh Out Loud. So a little bit of a different argument. But all the excuses for the 100-win teams, I don't really get it. They didn't win a series. You're gone. Sorry. Right. I, I, I would agree with that. My whole, because I've gotten, like, some flack, because what I tweeted out today was essentially – I don't really have a de- like a side in this debate. I just personally think it's kind of weird where you as a sport are built on longevity. It's can you survive the marathon? Can you win the most amount of games over the course of 162 and the course of essentially half the year? And then to have that marathon and then just be like best of three, best of five. To me, that just doesn't compute with the way that you set your regular season up. 
at the very least, I would think that every series from the DS on should be a divisional or excuse me, a best of seven. That's the only thing I don't. I, the whole week off thing and, and the rust and whatever, I don't really buy into that. If you're a good enough team, you can overcome some days off to play for, right? You play to get the time off to get rested and ready to go. I just think it's kind of weird that those two things don't really mesh. You're a, you're a longevity-type regular season, but when you get in, you're like, all right, best of five, here we go. It's the reason why the NBA got away with it in the first round because then you got more upsets, and the teams that won first rounds or first seeds all of a sudden found themselves in best of, what was it, threes it used to be? And you're just like, wait a minute, what? I'm, I'm down one nothing, and all of a sudden my season's on the line. So the Braves, the Dodgers, Orioles are out. They all had 100 wins. So this means that winning a World Series is hard, John. Yeah. Okay. Really is. Yeah. That's funny because something that stuck in my craw forever because I had to listen to it all the time. You know, when the Yankees won four or five, they played five game series in the uh, divisional series. Well, they were cheaters. Then. And in short, and in in, a, in that short stint, they won. They won them. So not the same. It is the same. No, no, no. no. It, it is they, the same. They, they, they spend all they spend all that money, and they're cheaters. And no, no, no it's not the exactly. Same. That's been the narrative. The Dodgers spend more money than the Yankees teams did ever back then. I, I it is hard to win a World Series, even with an awesome payroll. I, I take it back. It's easy. Or a, a high payroll. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Next up. Number two. Uh, DeMond, we didn't get you a chance or you a chance to get in on this. I'm going back to three. What do you want to do with the seven game Number series? Number three. <laughs> I think every series, <laughs> even the wild card series, should just be best of seven. Let's go. I mean Wow. 162 games, we 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 gotta speed up the postseason? No, nah, see I don't agree with that. The wild card should have some sort of wildness to it, only because you did not win enough games to have the security to have a chance in the best of seven. And I think a wild card should be a shorter series. But once you get into the real series, the divisional round, and then onward, that should be a best of seven. All right, number two, I had no idea what was going on with this attaboy, Harper. Because I, I really didn't even understand why, uh, and I apologize. I, I just It's been busy this week, right? Football's first. Um, but I didn't understand the whole Arcia-Harper thing, but it, apparently Arcia started it with the attaboy Harper, so it was like when he's hitting jacks all over the place, that prompted the stare. Yes. Now what's happened since in the media is – I don't know if it's confusing because I think there are bullies in the media who it's look confusing. down at other people. I don't get it. I don't get who Alana Rizzo is or what she's doing. So for those who don't know, and to spin it up really quickly, after Harper gets doubled up in game two, uh, Orlando Arcia in the locker room is heard screaming, boy Harper, over and over again. That is then used as the classic right bulletin board material, which Harper then uses to hit two jacks and stare down Arcia. They go on to win the series. So Alana Rizzo is upset because the way that those quotes were reported and put out in the mass – uh, to the masses was that they were overheard because he was screaming it in the locker room by reporter Jake Mintz, who covers the Braves. Alana Rizzo, of course, going to bat with no information because this is sometimes what talking heads do, went on this rant yesterday. And I am so irritated with all of these people, these bloggers or podcasters or, or not even reporters, not even journalists going into the clubhouse. You're ruining it for the rest of us. The guys that come in in the postseason and don't have any clue of, of the pulse of the team and, the, and it's making it worse for the people that are there every single day covering this team on a daily basis and then some jack-off comes in at the end of the season that gets a credential, God only knows why. That clubhouse is a sacred space. Hmm. Big problem with what she said yeah. outside of the term that she used. Um, Jake Mintz, who reported it, who she's calling that term and says is a blogger and somebody who comes in at the end of the season, oh, he's actually a uh, BBWAA member, uh, Baseball Writers Association of America. Yeah. And uh, the BBWAA, after that, came out immediately and said, essentially, uh, Alano, uh, Alana, you don't know what you're talking about. 
He's been a member. He has been covering the team for a while. Just because you don't know who he is doesn't mean that he's not an accredited reporter with a lot of respect. So that was with Mad Dog on MLB Network. So, yeah, I think she, she heard it from Twitter, heard it from the uh, BBBBBWA, um, and apparently then got actual information on this. So she was on today and decided to apologize. Very heartfelt apology to Jake Mintz and the entire B Philadelphia Phillies. But before we get into that, I wanted to give a very heartfelt apology to Jake Mintz and the entire BBWAA. What I said yesterday about Jake was completely inappropriate. It was inaccurate and it was beyond unprofessional. I got caught up in the heat of the moment. But I have to say the media, of course, the BBWAA and the credentialed media do a tremendous job covering the sport that we love. And what I said was completely off base. And I've had an interesting 24 hours and I've learned a lot more and I apologize. I apologize to Jake. I talked to him already. I apologize to him privately, and I also apologize to him publicly. Okay. And I saw her say that she's been in clubhouses for 17 years, which means she's been around for a while and pushing 40. You may want to know what you're talking about before you attack people. Also, in the initial statement, she said the guys who come in mm-hmm. in the second half of the statement. Listen, if this happened the other way, forget about it, right? If you pointed, you just said the women who come in there. Um, it's a general attitude from established media people sure. who believe they're above some of the other people who come in and they look down their nose at, because she said bloggers, podcasters. There's a lot of people who do a really good job and, frankly, might be better than a lot of Rizzo. I, so I don't – like, we all have to – in the end, we want to inform and entertain. We hope the masses. There's a lot of good people out there. Your, your job is not to police the clubhouse or that mention of – the sanctity of the clubhouse. We can build on that in a little bit. I'm, I'm sorry, Alana. I don't know if you've respected that your entire career. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Patrick Berbert from TI Sportsbook will be in in about... 25 minutes, lots of NFL picks in the 5 o'clock hour. A little more on baseball is uh, on the college football front. We're also uh, getting ready for a game, and there's already uh, a couple on, so we'll get you updated on the scores with that. But uh, we had a really good day yesterday out of Mountain West Conference Men's Basketball Media Day, and uh, that thing starts up, man. The season starts up in early November, so it's here in just a couple of weeks. And we had a chance to sit down with Jamal Mashburn Jr., really mature kid, uh, a lot like his dad, a lot like his dad, but a really good interview, and uh, we started off kind of talking brass tacks where the Lobos got out to this great start, uh, just like the uh, UNLV team did. And uh, I asked Jamal Mashburn, you know, what do you make of the season last year in 22-23? I think, uh, you know, I've had so much time to reflect. I mean, just even just right after the season, uh, you know, I was telling people I, I immediately got in the gym and worked out and immediately just started getting better at what I needed to get better on that I thought I could improve on in that year, in last year. Um, you know, I just think... Uh, yeah, I mean, the reflect on it is, you know, yeah, we came up short. Came up short. Um, definitely thought that there was a, a chemistry lack. Um, definitely towards the end, we just, a lot of, just, I think we need to have everybody all in, you know, and there's one couple of games that uh, little details make a big difference. So uh, I think that's that. I mean, I, I, I always take the blame on myself and just look at what I can do better and how I could have you know, change, you know, my style of play or what I could have done to do better. I always look at that every time. So 
do you think that those things have kind of been fixed? Like, do you think that's been addressed when you talk about that? Mm-hmm. Like, lack of continuity, maybe communication, whatever definitely. it is? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely taken a, a big step in my vocal leadership towards younger guys and just towards everybody and just stepping in any way I can uh, to point things out, uh, to, to call things out and to maybe correct things or whether that be to my teammates or to myself. Um, and I think I have, we have, we have. I, mean, I, I feel so special about this group um, that we have. Um, obviously, we've got you know, some time before November 6th, but we're building that chemistry, building that, building that uh, you know, those roles and accepting of those roles. So, yeah. so you said you wanted to, you immediately went and worked out, worked on your game. What, what, was, what are the things you needed to work on in your game? What do you want to improve on this year? Uh, definitely the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, defensive side of the ball. And that comes with uh, watching just a lot of film and just angles and stuff like that. Because uh, at the end of the day, defense is, is all about effort. Um, but there is a technique to it. You know, there is a, a ways to go about it, especially me being a smaller guard. Um, you know, like my backcourt mate, you know, Jalen House, he's a very good defender. I take a lot of things from him and uh, on that side of the ball, uh, just things I can pick up and learn from. So that, my three ball, and just the, the, the volume of it, um, you know, the fluidity of it, uh, those were definitely two of the main things that I was working on immediately after. Yeah. Jamal Mashburn Jr. is with us on Cofield & Company. You've got a little more depth, though, at guard and mm-hmm. and bigger depth, right, mm-hmm. that you brought in. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we brought in a guy uh, from Fresno State, uh, Jamal Baker, who's who's a tremendous player, man. He's he's a, And he's a vet, man. He's He's been in college. This is going to be his seventh season. So <laughs> it's crazy. You're right. <laughs> yeah, so he has experience, man, and, and, and he knows how to play, and he, he can do everything on the court, pass, shoot, dribble. Even our transfers, uh, Mustafa, Isaac Muchula, um, you know, we, 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 have a, we have a group of dudes that really love to work and love to play hard. And uh, like you said, we're deep and, uh, you know, we can, uh, we got bodies out there. So we're going to be playing hard, playing hard, you know, all in. So, yeah. I think you know this already, but I'll give you some advice from what I've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. And I saw him up close with UNLV in Fresno mm-hmm. when uh, Jamal gets hot, keep giving him the ball. Keep giving he, him the rock. He, he literally, I, I think he had a game last year where he had 10 threes. I felt 43. like he, yeah, he, senior night. He, he freaking he he fired on UNLV. It was yeah. it was unreal. Yeah, man, that kid can really get him up. So you're right. I mean, I've known that from the time I've even played against him. I mean, yeah, when he gets hot, I mean, there's no stopping Bake. So Kentucky, yeah. Arizona, Fresno State, now you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got quite the background. Yeah. Um, talk about your bigs, because you know you had you had experienced bigs last year. Yeah. Um, you had to fill a hole there. Yep. So. How about the new bigs? I, I mean, we, we were still waiting on Nelly to get, to get back here, man. I mean, he's uh, uh he's having some visa issues and stuff like that. But our freshman big, uh, 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 Jaden Toppin, man, he, his confidence is really growing, and he's coming along. I think regardless of class, he'll be one of the best front courts in the in this conference. Um, he's really proven that. Um, and I'm all about things happening for a reason. Uh, you know, Nelly not being here, we want him back. He's a big, he's going to be a big factor for us, a big, big key factor for us. But you know, JT has been able to grow his confidence and get reps and get 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 a get a feel for our offense, and he's going to make an impact right away, right away. The uh, the game down there with UNLV, uh, UNLV wound up getting by you guys, and I remember there was a lot of heat in the game. There was a lot of heat late in the game, mm-hmm. and you're a guy who can get hot uh, in terms of fiery. Mm-hmm. Jalen House gets that way. Mm-hmm. What's it like with you guys and Patino? Man, it's because uh, uh, Coach it's, Patino can. 
He gets riled. He gets riled up. <laughs> for sure gets riled up. I mean, I've been a part of it for four years, so he's he always gets riled up. Man, I would say the key word for that is just dynamic. Like, all of us are so dynamic in our personalities, in our games, and we complement each other so well. I mean, we complement each other in ways that uh, – that it's just it, it's just everything works out it just if we're all in and all bought in on the same things um you know special things happen for all of us you know whether it be me coach me and house all of us all connected on the same page it's just everything works out unique backcourt too and the fact that both of your dads played in the nba mm-hmm. um just talk about that like what what is it like being the son of an nba player you're an active player and mm-hmm. kind of over the years the people you get to meet and then the yeah. expectations because of your names yeah it's cool man i mean it's really cool i mean everybody thinks uh you know i get annoyed talking about my dad and talking about it man i can talk about him all day i can talk about it for like two hours long so uh it's great i mean my dad kind of raised me in a way to kind of be able to choose my own path and what i wanted to do so he kept me out of all that stuff all of his nba stuff i didn't really i wasn't really a part of it like that i mean um you know, obviously, every time we go out somewhere, somebody always has something to say to him, and everybody's stopping him, this and that. So that's that. You know, that aspect is cool and all. But you know, my dad raised me to be, you know, always humble and hungry. So I mean, that's 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 my morals. So the other day, I was talking to somebody about this, the, the dynamic of. Uh, I don't know if you can tell. I'm not a dynamic athlete myself. Um, <laughs> but we were. So I he got, used to be. He's been a little weight. Yeah. You know, I used yourself. to be before I had the two kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we were talking about the dynamic because I got a five year old kid, and mm-hmm. we were talking about the dynamic of letting your son win. Yeah. Right. And 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 beating your your father Ooh. for the first time. Yeah. Do you have a memory of that? Like the first time you bested your dad? So many. I have yeah. I have a lot of memories of that. Uh, it was my first time beating him. I was. I was a freshman. I was going into my freshman year of high school, and that was a time where you know, you know, puberty's hitting. You know, I feel a little bit stronger, a little bit more faster. Feeling yourself too. Feeling myself yeah. a little bit, yeah. So uh, I ended up beating him, and I ended up talking maybe a little bit more trash than I needed to, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and you know, and then he beat me the next day, and it was real bad. And then uh, that cycle just kind of ended up happening, and over and over and over again, where we just going back and forth he beats me i beat him and then we stopped for a long period and now he's getting to a point where he's training every day to then play me for real for real so he can get back in game shape so he can really play me so um he's in the gym with me every day every time i'm in miami in the off season and training he's there with me training exactly the same way yeah my wife and i have this she wants me to let him win and he asked me one time. He's like, "Hey, Dad, you think you think I go in this time?" I'm like, "Sure, if you beat me, because yeah, you can't you, you can't me. let him you can't let him go, right? You can't let him because then he gets this sense of like the other day he's playing soccer and a kid steals the ball from him and mm. he's heartbroken. I'm like, no, that's how it works. No, that's like, how that's it what works. you do, man. Yeah, for sure. And my dad never let me win anything. <laughs> I mean, we go from from video games to 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 whatever poker, whatever you want to play. He'll never let me win anything. We're as competitive as ever. So, uh, last couple of questions. Jamal Mashburn is with us. Jamal Mashburn Jr. New Mexico, one of the uh, Big scorers in this league. So when you move from Minnesota, you follow Patino to New Mexico. I would guess the reaction from a lot of people were like, New Mexico. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. New Mexico. Yeah. It is that is a basketball hotbed. That is one of the best basketball cities in, in college basketball. Oh, and when yeah. the pit is going, and you guys got real close, you know, because there were some sellouts. Mm-hmm. It's a cool place to play. The, oh, the fans are great. So great, man. There are I mean, I was telling uh, people earlier, man, they're cheering for everything. It could be the littlest thing, just a pass to the corner. They're yelling, and they're loud, and they're all in. And it's, uh, you know, I, when I first got there, uh, my dad, because he played, you know, at Kentucky in college. And, you know, that crowd in Kentucky, they, they're they all in, too. And I was, he was like, man, it would be similar to that. And I didn't believe him at first. I was like, 
New Mexico. Like, I only heard New Mexico from Breaking Bad. That's the only time I heard New Mexico. <laughs> but, um, you know, when I got here, man, man, they the fans treated treated basketball so much love. And just uh, they're all in. And they, they love basketball. They love good basketball, too. And they'll let you know if you're playing bad basketball as well. So um, that's what I love about it. I love it. What's the uh, best food in Albuquerque? Do you have to have green chili slathered on everything now? Or what's, so, what's your deal? I actually, so I did a podcast with uh, with Jeff uh, Grammer, um, you know, about a couple weeks ago, and I shouted out this place, Vamos Con Gloria. She, she um, they got this taco, Bria tacos, with the they had the dip, and she has the fries with it too. It's some of the best tacos that I've ever had. I mean, it's 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 really good. She used to be a food truck, but now she she just opened up as a as a as a restaurant now. So she's. She's, she's, she's really good. She's held it down for me since my sophomore year I've ever gotten here. So. Wow. Yeah. That's an endorsement. Put me on the schedule for the New Mexico trip. We <laughs> I know. One, right? I was going to say. <laughs> uh, I think it's November 4th for football All first. Right, cool. so yeah, we'll yeah, be yeah, I check it out for sure. Definitely. There you go. Jamal Mashburn Jr. yesterday at the Mountain West Conference Men's Basketball Media Day. You know, we're on in Reno right now. Obviously Vegas. I feel like UNLV, New Mexico... And Steve Alford's team are going to be battling for third through fifth. Did you see the preseason poll yesterday? I don't know that they ever handed it out. Maybe they didn't. We missed it. But UNLV's actually picked sixth. Yeah. Behind Colorado State. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and that kind of echoes a lot of the other, like, preseason mags as well that yeah. are kind of picking UNLV. But then you, you, you mentioned the odds that were a little bit different, right, to win the, the regular season title. Yeah, UNLV's about 12-1, to 14-1 uh, to 1 to win the regular season title right up there with New Mexico and okay. uh, a little bit behind Boise State, but in that range of, like, the third best odds to win it with a couple of teams. Preseason poll by the coaches, San Diego State 1, Boise 2, New Mexico, Nevada, Colorado State, UNLV. Then there was a big drop-off down to San Jose State, mm. Fresno, Utah State, Wyoming, and Air Force. A lot of trust in Utah State with a brand-new roster. Yeah. I think it's like ref like reflex to vote Air Force last, but I think they actually might be a little solid this year. they got a good roster coming back. They lost a couple key guys, but I thought they were building something pretty solid last year. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yep, 55 plus TVs here at the uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside TI right now. Uh, Tulane and Memphis on in front of us. That one's 7 nothing. Four minutes left in the first. Tulane is leading. Uh, Fresno and Utah State coming up. In just a couple minutes at 5 o'clock, Fresno at Utah State. So Fresno a little beat up at quarterback, but uh, the line pushing up. We'll get more of the betting information from Patrick Berbert uh, here at the book in about 10 minutes. You're not feeling great. About what? Well, I have a 4-1 uh, to one ticket on Fresno State to win the conference. And not only losing to Wyoming, but then ultimately losing Mikey Keene is going to be a pretty tough blow for me here. So I need mm. this. Uh, I need the Bulldog to pull this thing out to keep in the running for a conference. Thursday night football was nineteen eight. So the Broncos look like hell. John Von Model projection: Chiefs by eleven point zero four points. Wow! So you would have lost that. What are you talking about? They won by eleven. Yeah, but the, what the line was? Ten and a half. Boom. Okay. So again. Russell Wilson threw for 95 yards. Chiefs, 19 points, four field goals. Is Mahomes right, or are we starting to see something with this offense where they're very flawed right now? Can they push the ball down the field 
They have speed. Mm -hmm. But can they push the ball down the field, or are they so bad at tackle both position, both uh, sides, that they're like, we got to throw underneath, otherwise Patrick Mahomes is going to get killed. Can't, he can't hold the ball. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of that because it, the pressure numbers have not really been good. Again, yesterday, they got pressured on 13 of his dropbacks, but that seemed to be, observationally, right, the dropbacks which were a little bit longer. And so it's been just this game of like, hey, Mahomes, run around, buy time, or it's going to be everything's just going to be quick, 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 quick. And he's really, I mean, he's brilliant at it. I go back to that Vikings game, that ridiculous third down that him and Travis Kelsey converted where he steps up out of pressure and instead of crossing over the line of scrimmage, he runs parallel to it and finds Kelsey. Like, he's great at it, but I, I just wonder how long you can keep that up. And especially against the Chiefs, or excuse me, a Broncos team, which has been shipping off defensive linemen like left and right, right? Like, they don't really care. They've been like getting rid of these guys. I, I think it's a symptom of what the problem is. When you're good enough, you can scheme up enough things, you can overcome it. But when the Bills look as good as they do or the Dolphins look as good as they do, can you really overcome it against two teams that actually have, I think, a pretty good ability to get after you? And now you start to wonder the guys who, uh, you know, the veteran players, how they're going to react because now they've moved on from Randy Gregory. Mm -hmm. Today they made it official with Frank Clark. That's got to affect a locker room. Now, not the young guys because the young guys are like, hey, it's more opportunities and i got to play my you-know-what off to ensure a, you know, a bright future in the NFL. I want a roster spot, mm -hmm. so this is now a way to showcase myself. But I would assume veterans don't take that too well after they lose and lose and lose and lose, and they're like, sorry, veteran defensive lineman, you're gone. I mean, I would think, so you're getting rid of these guys for a reason, right? I would think if I'm in that locker room, I can make the observation that this guy's not really carrying his weight. He's not very good. You can understand it. it it's, our, it's our debate going back to uh, Colt McCoy, which you were very wrong on. Uh, Josh Dobbs is awesome. Um, it's that, like, I think when you're in the room, you can understand that this guy's not really a difference maker. He's a name, but I'm watching him in practice, and he's barely getting off, and he's not really doing anything, and you kind of understand it wouldn't really drive it down. I think more having what seems to be kind of a jackass as a head coach would be something that divides the locker room a little bit more. <laughs> Was that factual? That Sean Payne's a jackass? I don't no. think you can prove that. that well, I, I think that is factual. <laughs> Um, that Josh Dobbs is awesome? I mean, by comparison to what you were throwing out there, you were Cole acting McCoy. like Cole McCoy was Tom Brady reincarnated. Uh, he'll be back with someone for the playoffs. <laughs> I wish you would have taken that bet, you coward. <laughs> <I know. laughs> he never got signed. More passing yards. And the Cardinals yards. have given up because of No, they really haven't, actually. They've, they've played as hard as anyone in the National Football League, even though we thought the organization was going to be tanking. But, yeah, Dobbs so far... 65% completion, six touchdowns, two interceptions, 90 rating, whatever QBR is, 55 on that. So he's been pretty solid. 28th ranked quarterback in terms of a PFF passing break. Come on back with us to uh, TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We're going to talk to one of the guys from the Sportsbook in less than five minutes. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, let's do it. Good crowd here hanging out at the Golden Circle. Patrick Berbert is with us from the book. John Von Tobel, Cofield, and James out here. What's up, buddy? What's going on? Thank you for having me again. Um, it's going pretty well. I'm not winning any bets, but uh, I'm trying to think of the bet I had last week. I'll remember it at some point. Uh, it was a money line at the end of the game, and I got screwed. But uh, that's been happening Miami. a lot lately. No, I didn't, I didn't bet the Hurricanes. No, no, that, 
No, you would have uh, you would have heard an explosion on that one. I would have been a lot more vocal early in the week, but uh, yeah, that was a head scratcher. Um, last night was kind of a head scratcher too. Going off the beaten path, the end of the Houston and West Virginia game was freaking wild. Hail Marys left and right. Did you did you see what the probability of a win was after West Virginia went up with twelve seconds left? Uh, I got to look it up again. It was I would assume it's over ninety four percent. I think it was. It was right? actually like ninety four point nine. Yeah. So. Those are crazy. All right, let's uh, let's break down some of the games hey, real quick before we move on. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys offer in-game wagering here, yeah? No, we do not. No, okay. Because okay. right. I wonder, like, you know, there's some books that offer it, obviously, and you do wonder. They always keep up money line prices and like what that looked like. You know what I mean? At that point, if you're keeping it up with 12 seconds and all that kind of stuff, it's just it's a fascinating proposition. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it gets out of hand yeah. though, so a lot of books take it off. Yeah. You'll see. Patrick, do me a favor. Bend that uh, that mic in a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right, Stanford, Colorado tonight. Where are you guys on this one, and uh, what's your feeling on the game? I, well, I've been playing against Colorado all year long, so that hasn't worked out too well. Uh, but Stanford got a shot? I don't know. Stanford might be the bottom feeder in the Pac-12 here. We're sitting at 12.5 for Colorado. Colorado gets back Travis Hunter this week. He's going to be on a snap count, though, from what I heard. But I think they'll be able to spread the field more, though. They have that other wide receiver, Xavier Weaver, who's played pretty well for them. They haven't been able to establish the run game at all, but if they're able to spread the field here more, maybe they'll be able to get that going. Stanford's defense is its brutal. It's, it's awful. They don't have anything good going for that program. They're switching between two quarterbacks that aren't anything special, won't be anything special for the program, so they've got a lot of rebuilding to do over there. If I think Colorado should be able to win this game. I, I don't want to take any betting action on this game just because I'm not sure where Colorado exactly is they've played a lot of hard-fought games but they also got blown out by oregon so i need to see more from colorado before i can establish where i am with them i want to take usc against notre dame it's two and a half around town i wonder where the sharps are on this one where the uh, the smarter money has been going we're sitting at three on notre dame the sharp money is actually on notre dame for this game a lot of the public is seeing they're getting points with usc high-powered offense obviously but that defense has been a liability all year long. Lincoln Riley in the offseason attacked the transfer portal to booster that defense, and they have nothing to show for it. He brought in Jamil Muhammad, a edge rusher. He has six sacks and two forced fumbles. That's the only thing good going that he brought in of all the defensive players from the portal. And then on the defense, they only have one player that ranks in the top 100 at any position, according to PFF, and that would be Kalen Bullock in the secondary. So... If, yeah, if they don't get their defense rolling, their national title contention is really going to shrink fast. What do you make of the scheduling spot for Notre Dame? I mean, they've been playing every week since week zero. They were in Ireland. Like, do you account for that at all when you're looking at some of these numbers and think it should be accounted for more? Notre Dame's played a really tough schedule. They played Ohio State. Oh. Then they played Duke. Last week they lost to Louisville for their second loss of the year. They have one of the toughest schedules in college football this year. And they're playing, they're playing hard-fought games. It's not like they're, they're losing bad in these two losses to Ohio State and Louisville. But it's, it's, I think that this game, if Notre Dame wins this game, this will be huge for Marcus Freeman mm -hmm. because three losses here will start to question his future with the program. They went after Sam Hartman in the transfer portal, bring him in as QB to solidify them with an offensive game plan. They have a great defense. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can pull this off against USC this weekend. One of the better games, but not the best game. Oregon-Washington, I think, is going to be the best game. Where are you guys at with that one? Uh, we're sitting at three on that game as well. 
Um, as far as that game, I think if you don't think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football, it's either Bo Nix or Michael Penix. Both these guys can sling the football. I'm not sure where I'm sitting at with these uh, defenses yet. This is going to be their biggest test of the year for both the defenses so far. Oregon had a little problem on defense um, controlling Texas Tech earlier in the year. So if, if, if anybody is going to play a side on this game, I would go with the over. But it's just not something I'm going to go with for this game. I just want to see these two offenses battle it out. And two quarterbacks that are Heisman contention and have a chance to really make the college football playoff and win it all. So, of course, it's going to be 10-3. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, T.I. Book. Independent book, so they set their own line, so they can take uh, some risks. They can uh, plant their flag in a certain direction. Patrick Berbert is here from the book. Uh, the kiosk are open 24-7. You come down, you make a bet anytime you want. And then the setting here at the book, at the Golden Circle, is dynamite with 55-plus TVs. And they're big TVs. Basically, every seat in here, you got a view of, like, 8, 10 TVs. All right, NFL, no Jefferson, a wide receiver. Into reserve. Vikings still three. You have three against the Bears? We're sitting at three on that game. What do you think of this the, one? The sharp side was on the Bears. It opened four and a half. It was brought down really quickly. Like you said, Justin Jefferson is out. Jordan Addison is really going to have to step up now and be that wide receiver one. Hawk is going to see the ball more. But this is the battle for last place in the NFC North. Both teams are sitting at one and four. This is Kirk Cousins' contract year. So if, if they don't start winning some games, you might see both Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson walking at the end of the season. Wow. Yeah. I didn't expect to hear Jefferson. Yeah. Walking. Okay. Well, Kirk, I, yeah. I heard, I've been hearing a lot that Justin Jefferson wants to play with Kirk Cousins. So. Really? That would be he interesting. He should. Kirk's a good quarterback. I mean, he's good for him. What do you mean by that? No, he's a good quarterback. There's no qualifier. I believe okay. in Captain Kirk. You get Mar- our work up for it. Margaret Thatcher. Uh, Bengals are three against the Seahawks. Uh, for that game, Bengals, Seahawks were sitting at three as well. Joe Burrow had his best game of the year last week, and it still wasn't that impressive. His offensive metrics are still down from where he's at with his career and especially his two huge years that he had last year. They get supposedly, from what I hear, is uh, T. Higgins had a big step in his progress this week. He's gonna st- he's still questionable right now to play this weekend. That would be a huge add for their offense back. The Bengals' defense has been looked a little successful this year. Um, they lost a few... A few key players in free agency, but I think part of their defensive struggles has been with their offense not being able to stay on the field. They're a little tired out there. The Seahawks, they're playing good football still. Pete Carroll, who's a great head coach, you know, makes you wonder if he's one of the best head coaches in the NFL, what he's able to do with Geno Smith. He won with Russell Wilson for so many years, and Russell Wilson can't even win a game over in Denver right now. So I, I really... Really like to see what I'm going to see from the Seahawks this weekend and hopefully see the Bengals start to play good again because the last two years they were in the AFC Championship game. Both years they went to the Super Bowl. So let's see if they can get back on track. How high does this line get for San Francisco and Cleveland? We know Deshaun Watson's not going to play. Vegas legend, dare I say. DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson's not going to get the start after getting screwed last week. What, what are you guys doing with this and where do you think it goes? Yeah, so P.J. Walker's getting the start for the Browns this weekend. It was at 7. It went up to 10. Now we're back down to 9.5. Getting a little buyback at that 10. As far... I, I just don't know how people can have faith in the Browns and even bet them with how defeated with injuries they are right now, especially at the quarterback position. Their defense has been really good for them, so 
if they're going to have any chance to stay in this game, it's going to be their defense that's going to have to come out and perform. Brock Purdy, he really had a great game last week against the Cowboys as well. He's only one of two quarterbacks in the NFL to not throw an interception this year, along with C.J. Stroud. So if he can keep playing the way he's playing, the 49ers are just going to keep rolling week after week. It is pretty wild to see this at nearly 10 and a total of 36. Like it's, it's insane when you look at that. I like that Browns defense, though. I think they got some, I think they got some pieces to work with. I don't know how bad it gets, though. How, where do you, from a totals perspective, will you see people just come in and grab points because, hey, this total's so low, I can, I can grab such a percentage of this full total just by taking the points of the underdog? I could definitely see the public come in and laying the over um, all, all weekend yeah. long, especially with a low total like that. The, the Sharps love to bet the unders, especially with a low total like that. You can't be scared. It's almost like betting an Iowa under in college football. You can't be scared to lay it. You're a Saints guy. So what happens here? Saints on a pretty good roll. Offense, eh. Defense is awesome. Uh, Saints one and a half against the Texans on the road. I'm a, I'm a little worried this weekend. Yeah. Um, Texans get some key offensive line pieces back, so that will help them, especially, like I said, on the uh, previous game, C.J. Stroud, one of two with Brock Purdy to not throw an interception this year. Nico Collins has solidified himself as a wide receiver one over in Texas. They look pretty good on offense. Their court, offensive coordinator that they brought in, Bobby Slowick, he came from San Francisco. And San Francisco always seems to produce good coaches. And Bobby Slovic started his career actually as a defensive coach, so he knows both sides of the ball. And he's definitely teaching C.J. Stroud what to see out there on the field. The Saints offense has looked lethargic all year long. Last week they scored three touchdowns, and on those three touchdown drives they started at their own 40-yard line or better. So good field position. They were able to put up points. I, I just don't see if Pete Carmichael can get this offensive rolling. He hasn't all year. Patrick Roberts with uh, Cofield and Company, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Ooh, Patriots Raiders. This is a rough one. Uh, where are people playing? The, the Raiders are two and a half right now against New England. The Raiders are definitely the public side on this game, but there isn't a sharp side on this game. People are just—it's <laughs> <laughs> it, just one of those games where people are just playing the Raiders for this, whether it's on the money line or the spread. They're, 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 the Patriots are in trouble. Uh, they're. Mac Jones is not good. Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick together is is not is not working out for him. Their their injuries all over the field now for them. And then Jimmy G with the Raiders, he doesn't he doesn't look that good. Josh McDaniels last week he 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 got through the win, but it was very questionable. He, he going doesn't on. look good. There's a lot yeah, of, there's, there's a, a lot of people around this game right now. Not good. There's, <laughs> There's a lot of question narrative. marks with both teams. I, I don't get how anybody can watch this game this weekend unless you're from Las Vegas or you're from New England. Can I take the Jets plus 6.5 against the Eagles? Bad move? It's actually the sharp side. The sharp side was the Jets plus 7. Once the Eagles got back down to 6.5, you saw a lot of public play on that. Um, the Eagles, but they're, they're starting to get into their groove. Their defense is playing a lot better. Jalen Hurts has two straight games, 300 yards. DeAndre Swift is established a run game with that team he's looked amazing aj brown since he had his little whole thing with jalen hurts on the sideline he's came to life and has really stepped up to the plate so the eagles have solidified themselves as the nfc favorite along with the 49ers but the jets they still have a great defense zach wilson he looks like He's playing better. He's yeah. playing better. I was going to say, do not compare him to a no. good quarterback. Yeah, no. He, he, no. Again, he got away with a lot last week, but he did complete some passes. Got the ball out a little quicker. He looks a lot more confident out there. So, and uh, and Brees Hall is very good. Um, let's yes. wrap on this one. We got like forty-five seconds left. 
Boy, another Sunday night with the Giants on it. And now no Daniel Jones, <laughs> no Andrew Thomas. This is uh, the Tyrod Bowl. Maybe he'll, you know, in a revenge, revenge spot. Yeah. yeah, revenge spot for the Bills uh, moving on from him. 15! 15. Yeah. yeah. Um, Giants are going with Tyrod Taylor. And I hate to say this, but Tyrod Taylor right now may be an upgrade over Daniel Jones. By the way, and I wanted to mention this next hour. Yeah, there's no, there's no difference between the quarterbacks no. on the point spread. The dude isn't Jones making like forty million dollars a year. This, yes. this by the by that number, this is like the worst quarterback signing in history. No, it's or, not. or the back, or the back, the backup, the backup could start for other teams. Sure, that's the, I guess that's the better. Point. Not to get the minutiae, the, you, just, you had no choice, but it's an easy deal to get out of. So. Okay. But yeah, we Dan- got about 15 seconds, so finish up on uh, where people are playing and what we should do. The, everybody's playing the Bills, whether it's the money line or the, or the spread. The Bills, they should roll this game. They have the better team all around. The Giants are, they'll be lucky to win for two more games this year. They keep playing oh. the way they're playing. All right. Hello, Caleb Williams. Uh, Patrick, we appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having us here Thank you for having at me. the TI on a Friday.